Welcome to the Pop Ninja Podcast, where we reminisce about the pop culture of the 70s, 80s, and beyond. From bell-bottom jeans to parachute pants, from Panama Jack shirts to members-only jackets, from Smurfs and Scooby-Doo to Thundar the Barbarian. If you had a Rubik's Cube, wore a Swatch Watch, was crazy about Max Headroom, or ever wondered who shot JR, then this podcast is where you will feel right at home. Now, jump in the DeLorean time machine and join your hosts, Lisa and Patrick, as they take you on a pop culture adventure through the greatest decades of all time. Hello out there in podcast land, and welcome to another totally awesome episode of the Pop Ninja Podcast. I'm Patrick Bennett, coming to you from the swamplands of South Louisiana, and joining me over Zoom from her bed and breakfast in Pennsylvania is my lovely co-host, Miss Lisa Everett's. Hi, Lisa. Hello, Patrick. In this episode, we are visiting with a gorgeous lady that I spent many Saturday mornings with in my underwear. (laughs) Of course, I was probably seven and the underwear was actually my Shazam underoos, but uh, I I wear them while sitting in front of the TV or console TV on the floor. But I'm talking about the beautiful and very talented Joanna Cameron, who starred as the superhero Isis on the hit Saturday morning TV series, The Secret of Isis. Oh, my queen, said the royal sorcerer to Hatshepsut, with this amulet, you and your descendants are endowed by the goddess Isis with the powers of the animals and the elements. You will soar as the falcon soars, run with the speed of gazelles, and command the elements of sky and earth. 3,000 years later, a young science teacher dug up this lost treasure and found she was heir to the secrets of Isis. And so, unknown to even her closest friends, Rick Mason and Cindy Lee, she became a dual person, Andrea Thomas, teacher. Almighty Isis. And Isis, dedicated foe of evil, defender of the weak, champion of truth and justice. So Saturday mornings were all the rage with awesome cartoons, but even more spectacular were those live action kids show by Filmation. So Joanna, welcome to the podcast, and I thank you very much for taking out time to visit with us today. Well, aloha from the big island of Hawaii, and it's a delight to hear from you. Awesome. Well, well, what's the weather like today in Hawaii? Oh, I hate to do this to you. Our weather here is usually where I live, between 74 and 84 every day. This winter has been an outrage. I see the numbers. I I grew up just north of Denver, and I think it was 12 degrees there the other day. Wow. Oh, my goodness sakes, alive. So well, from... There's a reason I moved to the tropics. I love it. <laughs> so you're from the Rocky Mountains? It's Mountain? a challenge. Yes, I, I grew up in Greeley, Colorado. Awesome. I, I like the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been hiking and oh, it's fabulous. stuff up there. I yeah. love Colorado. Well, Lisa and I, we're just going to take turns asking you a few questions uh, so the listeners can get to know you a little better. And we'll just have fun with it. Okay. Uh, no, nothing too deep. Uh, we're just going to uh, stay shallow with you. So, uh, so if you're ready, I'm going to uh, start the first question. And I want to say uh, on the Internet Movie Database or IMDb, uh, 
it shows that your first acting gig as far as movies was uh was with the great Bob Hope and the great Jackie Gleason, uh, two powerhouses. I mean, that that's amazing. But uh, anyway, yeah. my first question is, how did you get into acting? Well, let's roll the camera back a long time ago, but my mother graciously kept me busy all the time as a child. She had to. I was like a little whirling dervish. So she put me in dance class, music classes, piano classes, uh, baton classes and dance classes so I was always in class and as I went through my high school years and my college years I continued those interests okay once I got out to California because that's where I had a scholarship University of California Riverside of course you know there was a lot of activity game shows and stuff I went up and did the um the dating game Wow. All right. Oh. Okay. And William, William Morris saw me on the dating game. They came over and signed me and said, we don't know what we've got, but we've got something here. Wow. And then I was also signed with an agency called Abrams Rubeloff. And they would be my commercial agency throughout my entire life doing all those commercials. So William Morris, it was the beginning of my junior year, sent me on an interview at Paramount. Little did I know, the part was for the daughter of Bob Hope and Jane Wyman in How to Commit Marriage. Nice. And of course, I was starstruck through most of my career. I have nothing really but good things to say about my history in Hollywood. Um, I had tremendous opportunities in the advertising and filmmaking industries. Bob Hope graciously met me in Howard Koch's office. Mr. Gleason was there. I am sure I was starstruck for months. <laughs> really, months and months and months. We'd grown up. Bob Hope was a, you know, um, an icon in our lives. Sure. And Mr. Gleason was my father's favorite person in the world. We always watched the Jackie Gleason show. We always watched the Bob Hope specials. Well, for my blessed fortune, they said, listen, she's perfect. Little college girl, doesn't know what to do. Not even, I wasn't even a member of the Screen Actors Guild, really. <laughs> you know, I'd done a commercial or two or something. And uh, so they adopted me for the summer. And I had the intense pleasure of being trained in the state of the art of filmmaking on the first job. I had. That's awesome. Um, and I was introduced to the industry on that level, which is extremely important for a young lady on a certain level, which was the top level. And I was treated accordingly throughout my entire career. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I never didn't have to it. work my way up. You know, I wasn't a little waitress and, and all that's very honorable, yeah. believe me. Right. Yeah. But I was a college student and they respected the fact while well, my parents were alive, back my parents they had to come to the set and sit in directors' chairs. And my one of my father's favorite things to do when we were children was and away we go, which was Gleason's. Yeah. I mean, it was just uh, you know, I was I was dazed for many years because of my experiences in that town. That's awesome. Yeah, there I, you go. I, that was my I never knew Joanna. Job. That you were on the dating game, I that, and all the time that I've known you, I've never knew, heard I've never heard you say that about being on the dating yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So did, did I want to know? Yeah. Did who'd you go on a date with, and how'd it go? Oh, oh gosh, they <laughs> clearly they 
you know me. I was just in the days. I was a little. Were you okay? Were you one of the? Were you the 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 girl that like picked the three guys, or were you one of the girls that got picked? They they allowed me to be the one of the girls that picked the three people. Oh. So, you know, I was just you know Miss Bubbles again. I was so very fortunate. I came into the industry right behind Kate, Farah, and Jackie. I didn't ever have to compete with Lauren Hunt and Sybil Shepherd, Cheryl Tiggs, all those spectacularly tall and beautiful women. I wasn't a model, but I came in with that all-American class of, of girls. I knew Farrah for years. And because of that, I didn't have to be 5'9", I didn't have to weigh 100 pounds and wear zeros. I was, I was basically your all-American girl. I could ride a horse, you know, swim, bicycle, ski and you know they could put me on anything and i do the commercial so that's how it all got started yeah and then oh. you and then you became the guinness book world record holder for all the tv commercials yeah, and, yeah ever so yeah over the, over the first 10 years i was in the industry which goes back from probably 1969 to 1980 um abram rubeloff did the most amazing job i used to go to new york one month in the spring, one month in the fall. And I stayed at the Hotel Navarro right above the plaza where David Frost lived. And I would walk down Avenue Americas or another major walkway. And this is when the big agencies, the Ted Bates, the BBO, BBDNOs and all were powerhouses. And they, they ran the advertising industries that backed the networks. And if they loved you, you just called. Some days I have six, seven interviews in New York. Wow. And otherwise, I was in California, and I had a fabulous time. And you go out on shoots, they last a day or two. And my parents loved that, I promise you. My parents said, you're not going on some movie shoot halfway around the world for a month or two. No, you're not doing that. Okay, Mom. Um, um, okay, Mom. And I had a fabulous time. Commercials were great because they had a budget. They had a time. They were usually state-of-the-art people. They accomplished their goals, and you were gone. They didn't take a week to shoot a commercial, maybe a day or two or three or something. My longest shoots were one. I did United Airlines in Hawaii. We came over for two weeks. And another one I did for, um, I think it was Diet Pepsi when we went out on boats and people fell off the boats because I was supposed to be so, you know, Diet Pepsi. Um, but <laughs> commercials didn't take very long. And again, this was a unique period of time. It was way before celebrities did commercials. So you, you could just you could just do them. And that was the thing that the Guinness Book of Records picked up on. Ed McMahon, for example, probably did more commercials, but it was one product. And instead, I went out and you just had to win every time you go out. There's no second place for people in commercials. You either got the commercial or you didn't. Yeah. And you did 105 of them, right? That's what you were in the Guinness Book. 105 commercials, at least. <laughs> that you... That's a lot. Yeah, yeah that's a lot um, of commercials. And again, you know, maybe I did four for Noxema and, you know, three for 7-Up or five for Ivory Soap or something. But I stayed in those categories because I was best fit there. Marvelous weekend. Bye. Susie's sensational looking. Baby. I wish I looked like that. You look better. Your skin looks clean. 
and healthy. It's getting down to basics. Fresh air, natural food, washing regularly. I use ivory. Ivory's basic. Natural soap. No heavy perfumes, creams, deodorants. I like you looking healthy. Ivory, the basic natural soap for healthy looking skin. I didn't do the mother thing because I wasn't fit. I, that, that wasn't my look, mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't do the, the housewife thing because it wasn't my look. I was a college girl. Yeah, you did the, the pantyhose commercials. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, They're my cute. goodness. The Haynes commercial yeah. was truly one of the most fun and I guess one of the most viewed. And to this day, I look at it and go, you were just so bold then. I was. I was bold. Yeah. I was bold. And like I got a challenge. Old and beautiful, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, the Lord had a lot to do with that, not me. Oh. You know, my awesome. mother was a tall blonde. She's German, and uh, Russian, and my father was Scotch Irish, brunette, and and my face is very similar to my father's, but it looked like my father. You, you must have got his yeah. hair color from him too, because if your mom was blonde, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as and as my mother said, I got something else from my father, and it's called "You Never Stop Talking." <laughs> oh, I have that problem myself. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did, did you have a favorite commercial out of all the ones you did? Did you have a favorite? Oh my gosh! Well, the hair color spot for brunettes only. Yeah. Where they knock on the door. Uh, that was that was. I've seen that commercial. Look yeah. All, look at all the girls that was in that were in that spot. I did a spot with Don Rickles. I think it was for national, some rent a car company. That was a riot. Um, I never worked with the big people on the commercials. I mean, stars. I, uh, gosh, way back when, way back when, Farrah and I and Tom Selleck did a commercial for something like those little cigars. And they took us up to Garadelli Square in San Francisco and shot it. That's awesome. Do you do you have copies yeah. of any of that stuff? I mean, like your commercials? Do you have? Um, I used to have a reel of the Guinness Book of Records, but I'm sure it's dust and long gone. Oh. But I don't know how I don't know how how all of you fabulous people are doing this. But I've seen things on YouTube and all. I haven't seen for years. Yeah. So I don't know how they're finding them, but. They're, they're okay. out there somewhere. I, maybe somebody <laughs> videotaped it on a VHS and then they clipped them together or something. I have no idea. They, they, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. But well, it's Joanna, cool. When you were a young actress coming up, uh, who were some of your favorite actors that you looked up to? Well, my God, the great Catherine Hepburn. Oh. Let's start right there. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Truly brilliant. Um, Gee, I had the opportunity to work with the Academy Award-winning Jane Wyman. Um, I, I actually got sent to Europe again because of Universal. I was with Universal for seven years and worked with Lana Turner in a picture called The Survivors. You know, you don't work with a lot of them, but, you, but it, in that time and day, Beverly Hills used to be a, almost a very quiet little village of people. You know, I'm going back a few years here. And you would see people and you'd talk to people. I ran into Fred Astaire one day. I ran into David Niven one day, just shopping or going out. Oh, at least we never forget the great Natalie Wood. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I could talk yeah. forever, but, but let's just go with a couple, couple right now. That, I, I can't even think of more. I just, you know, there's just too many. Yeah. 
Well, I know when I talked to you that you had you you even have met Cary Grant and he and that was impressed me because he's one of my favorites, <laughs> my favorite actor, my favorite male actor of all time. Yeah. And you, and you okay. met him. Yeah. That's so awesome. So okay. do you, we'll, we'll do a quick moment on that. Pretty okay. much all in a row. Spent a whole summer doing that picture. Roger Vadim was the director and he and I battled back and forth all the time. He got every girl on that set to get naked, but I kept saying, listen, I have commercials. I have contracts. This is how I'm going to do this picture. Angie Dickinson and Rock Hudson and Keenan when everybody were just great. Roddy McDowell was even in it, but Rock was very good to me. Rock and I lived in the same neighborhood in Beverly Hills. Okay. I mean, this was a tight community in those days. So Vadim comes to me and shows me some set he's going to shoot. And of course he thinks I'm going to wear panties and stand behind roses. I walked off the set. I went home. I was so upset. Well, Rock calls me at home. Okay. And then this is how this whole thing turns around. The head of the studio was James Aubrey. I had known him from CBS. Then he was at MGM. Mr. Aubrey calls and said, come back to work. It's all taken care of. I went back to work the next day and shot the scene with Rock in a comedic fashion. And that's when Rock discovered that I'm the one who knows that that he is who he is. And then I have to be killed. Well, Mr. Aubrey calls and said, let's go to the premiere. I said, oh, okay, we're going to walk right in front of Vadim. You bet we are. So Mr. Aubrey and I were friends. I had the pleasure of being friends with people because I was young. I was, had a great reputation. I was never married. Um, and one of the nights he took me to dinner, we sat with Cary Grant, just the three of us. That's awesome. I love that story. And of course, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. There was so, I, le- I went through a whole industry just going, oh my, oh goodness, really? I have to remember these days. And I did. I was treated extremely well. And that's because I also behaved. You know, I showed up, signed up, shut up. I'd go to work at five, six o'clock in the morning and Universal taught me this whole thing. That's how I did all the Marcus Welby's and Macmillan and uh, Columbo and everything. They taught me how to work. You go in early, you get your makeup, your clothes, you go sit in your dressing room, have a cup of coffee, whatever. When we call you, you get there, you do your job because everybody else on this set is being paid a fortune. You're hmm. just the last little piece. You're going to be the little, you know, the little piece on the chessboard right there. Okay, go. And don't make any mistakes. Because the big stars and the cinematographers and the directors and the people who spend all day lighting this thing don't need somebody who can't do their job. Then, then you obviously, you work well under pressure. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, yeah. I can promise you when you're shooting a commercial and you only have a day or two, there's some pressure there. There would be. You know, there, you yeah. yeah. So I live in a different era. You know, it was a, really a very clean industry. People didn't hang out on drugs and stuff. They didn't drink. The studios ran the business and they know people who get the job done. And if you didn't get the job done, you weren't hired. Yeah. It it sounds really professional, you know, and it it was before the time period of like um, cell phones and, and all that stuff where, you know, everything you do, every move you make is, is out there for everybody now. So, I mean, there's no privacy. My, my agents ran my life really. And um, I had answering services who 
you know, I check with every day. I check with them every day. You know, it was on a speed dial, if you had a speed dial. And then there were casting agents who knew you. They called you. They told you what they wanted and when the interview was, and you were to show up. That's how it worked. It was very highly organized. And, you know, as I told you, it was a phenomenal experience. The artistry. Yeah. You know, remember, I'm a, I'm a drama re- renaissance art person. Um, the artistry, the magic. What, of course what, I do. Do you have a favorite movie of your own? What's your, like, what's your all-time favorite? I told uh, you that before I can never answer that question. Uh, oh, but, oh. <laughs> but the contemporary pictures that um, I've seen probably four or five times because of the actors and the action and the magic. Okay? Uh-huh. So here they come. Okay. Rush Hour 1 and three because of Jackie Chan. <laughs> and oh Chris. my gosh, that's, I never expected that one. Nice. Okay, okay. And we're going to talk about contemporary pictures. I'm not going to talk about the other ones. Okay. Hangover one, three with Bradley okay. Cooper, Ed Helm, Zach, and John. Brilliant pictures. Just the, the sets, the work, the 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 um, you know, the entire combination of the picture. Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, of course. I can see Laura that. Croft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's okay. the first time I just blew me away. All the Minion movies, all the what? Monster Inc. movies, several of Clint's pictures, I think, are outstanding. You know, he's become a fabulous director. Oh, yeah. And I wow. told you, I'm going to write a little scrapbook thing. And mm-hmm. one of the chapters going to be guess who is the most powerful person in the industry of all the art who runs who runs it who's who's the captain of the ship the director that's right. why i joined the direct guild of america it's like if you're an artist you can do the frame you can do the colors you can do the wardrobe you can paint one or two pictures but it's the director who puts the entire thing together yes yeah. yeah so, so, I, so anyway I mean- I'm kind of surprised on all your movies. I'm like, those aren't the movies that I kind of thought that you would say. And I'm just like, wow. You know, it's like, I. Okay. Yeah. A second. Got Heat. I forgot Heat to heat. mention it because of Melissa and uh, Sandra Bullock. Just, I think that's one of their best. I think both of them are so talented. Wow. Is that surprising? And then the- yeah. 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 Yeah, are, I yeah. never even saw that movie. Yeah. So I, those are new. Yeah. And then two actors, uh, one I knew and one I wish I'd known. I knew Peter Falk, and I wish I had worked with Tony Shalupa. Oh. If you if you look at them, they're extremely deep craftsmen. You know, you can be Robert Wagner. You can be all these pretty people. Oh, I adore Robert Downey Jr. too. Um, okay. But these people are, you know, the state of the art of their of their work. We could also mention Jimmy Stewart and a few others in the conversation, but I'm not going to get into that era. All right, who's talking contemporary? Okay. okay. Wow. Okay. Right. The um, How to Commit Marriage was Jackie Gleason's last motion picture. So if you don't think we didn't have a great time every day, we played golf. We went to Mr. Hope's house. Um, The whole thing was just 
you know, a spectacular experience every day. It's awesome. Yeah. Limousines. <laughs> <laughs> Limousines and movie, movie stars. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Took me down to the Screen Actors Guild and had me register. Hope and Gleason and Tina Louise were all there. I mean, we just went after lunch one day or something because I didn't have a car and I couldn't work. And um, I went in and tried to register as Patricia Cameron, which is my Christian name, and came back and said, there's four Pat Camerons. What do you think? Mr. Gleason turned to me and said, I've always wanted a daughter. Call yourself Joanna. So I walked right back in and said, okay, I'm Joanna Cameron now. Oh, my gosh. I never knew that. That's a, that's a cool trivia. Never knew that. I know. Jackie and that's Joanna. Really cool. He said, he said, this is what your name is now. Oh, okay. You know, you can tell me anything. <laughs> oh, go stand on the bridge, jump off, and we'll put a Coke in your hand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Anyway, I never knew that's how, where Joanna came, came, became your name. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, okay. um, well, um, okay. So, Patrick, do you want to? Yeah, wanna, I was going to ask uh, <laughs> About let's talk about ISIS. How how did that come about for you? Gosh, um, nineteen. I think it was nineteen seventy five. I really do. I had already done the Universal contract commitment. I had already done all those commercials. CBS knew who I was. Okay, um, and I I was kind of spending some time in Hawaii at that time. Okay putting it mildly. And I even thought of moving over here and I was in Honolulu and somehow somebody got in touch with me. Sure. It was an agent and said, well, they want to talk to you about a series. Yeah, okay. Well, flight me in. And I met them. And that's when they said, Oh, by the way, it's with filmation. They're going to fit you in next to big Albert. You're going to be on Saturday morning, but it's a highly unique opportunity. It's a, it's a live action Saturday morning show. And I said, okay, goodbye. Yeah. And they called me back. And they said, listen, you've got to think about this. So I agreed to do it thinking, oh, this would be a fun summer job. You shoot it, you shoot it at a high school, the same high school. You have the same high school students. You play a chemistry teacher. Brian has always been a sweetheart, a kind, adorable person. And he was already on the job. And he would be my, you know, my cohort teacher. And Joanna Pang was adorable. Arthur Nadell was the producer. Holly Morris was the director who came from um, the Lassie program. I mean, he'd done all the Lassies. So he knew how to shoot a child's program. And Robert Sparks was the state of the art in cinematography. You know, it was, it was a great crew. And I went, well, you know, what can I miss? I'll be back in New York in the fall. Okay, I'll do it. No one ever thought it would take off like it did. Okay. It started up that fall. It ran against um, ABC Sports. I knew ABC well. I knew Andy Sedaris well. He was, you know, the director over at ABC Sports. And I ran against him on, on, on time. And he would call me occasionally on Saturday and says, I think you're beating me in the ratings this Saturday. So, <laughs> and if you watch the show, can you imagine? My mother and I would watch the show on Saturday morning. We were just, you know, can you believe it? No, Mom, I can't believe it. Yeah, I bet she was oh, proud. Yeah, no yeah, you know, we had no idea this was going to hit 
um, home like it did. And they did an excellent job, you know, hats off to the producers and, and the whole filmation group and, and CBS. They did a fabulous job in its day of producing the state-of-the-art children's program. Yes, I flew with a blue screen. No, I didn't have the Superman technology they use at Warner Brothers now, but, you know. And can you imagine? I'm just, you know, I'm a college girl. I just finished Universal. And they have to wait for me to come out of my dressing room so everybody else can work. Are you kidding? Miss Cameron, we're waiting. Miss Cameron. Awesome. That's awesome. Miss Cameron, boots on yet? And again, the wardrobe and the makeup and everything. Remember, they had to transform me. Costume, makeup, wardrobe, boots, shiny bracelets. You know? yeah. There's, there's a <laughs> lot of people that want to know whatever become of the costume. Like if you still have it or uh, not. They kept everything after the second year. Everything okay. they kept. Okay. And, and the costume is a cute one. I have pictures of myself in my tennis dress from Hawaii for the first wardrobe shoot. And it was a short white dress with a little, little skirt. That's how the costume came about. They fashioned it after this tennis dress I had on, and it was perfect. Her name was Thelma, and she was the wardrobe mistress, and they built this costume. What they didn't tell me is they are what they didn't tell me is they already had a doll in the works, and this is what the doll was wearing. That's why I had brown boots on. Okay. I wanted tall tall over the knee New York boots. And they said, No, 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 you have to wear these. I said, these are really ugly. You know, ugly. I know that I know that picture that you're talking about with you in the tennis dress that you had like a didn't you have like a jacket on like a um with that and you had little have little sandals on and a jacket and it has like a red background to it. I've seen those pictures of you. And I just yes, never put that me. together. I never realized that it, was where that, that came from. You Thank you very much. Red, white, and blue jacket. Yeah. Anyway, that was the first wardrobe test. Oh. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. I, I've seen that, but I never would have connected it and without you to put pieces together. That, that's where it comes from. Yeah. Well, I got to say, again, I was just a little kid I'm, and, and I thought you what? looked amazing in that costume. You were one of my first crushes ever. Yeah. There you go. Well, yeah. I think she was a bunch of people. I was living in Hawaii. I was, you know, train myself as a runner and a cyclist and you have to stay in shape if you're going to do stunts and commercials they don't need somebody to fall off and break their neck <laughs> and of course I was naturally that way I grew up in Colorado I skied most of my you know younger life when I went to college my mother said put back put away your skis and you're not riding a horse again either so yeah. no yeah I can That's see where that was a physically demanding uh, show too, because like the episode with Lucky, where you jump into the ocean to save the dog and the and the kid, and you jump in there with your hair and your shoes and everything, you know, it's like, and you swam out into the ocean, you know, that's pretty. That was. Pretty cool. I, at one point, I had a stunt person. Believe me. Oh, you did. They don't. They don't. I'm sure I did somewhere along the way. They don't endanger. None, none of these movies endanger pictures, whatever. Um, endanger one of the primary players because, yeah. you know, the picture is going to, whatever is going to depend on it. And yeah. most people you know, want to do the stunts. That's why we have a stuntman's yeah. union. It sure looked like you, yeah. though. <laughs> it's like, you know, well, going in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I did a few. 
Anyway, what well, else? a lot a lot of people ask about um, and you do have this. I don't know if you realize that you, you have because I know you're not big on in Facebook or anything, but you have a uh, really pretty big um, fan base on this Facebook page called the Keepers of the Secrets of Isis, and you have one oh. really big fan on there named Joel Gore. He's a huge fan. So let me do it. Let me okay. do it. Okay, Mr. sure. Joel, Mr. Joel Gore wrote me the most beautiful letter. And I thank him. I have received, and this is why I'm doing my scrapbook, really, just for the fun of it, since we had to go through this lockdown. Um, <clears throat> I have received so many fantastic love letters, birthday cards, Christmas cards, funny notes in my mail for, I think, probably four decades now that I cherish all of them. You know, these people have stood with me. I've had some tragedies. I've had some emotional and romantic breakups, you know, but I've always been getting letters and, and comments and postcards, or maybe this is my wife and the new baby. And it's meant a tremendous amount to me. That's so awesome. my scrapbook, basically a thank you and a love letter back to the people who have supported and loved me and just, you know, kept me in their prayers and their thoughts. I'm not married. I don't have children. And my family is past now. So, you know, my circle is small, but, and sometimes I feel lonely. I go, no, I got all these friends out there. Look, I just you got me. I'm your friend. I got <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. so sweet. And I do have a few very close friends here. But again, I'm going to become more public. I will do Facebook. And I saw something on Twitter I want to correct. So, yeah. you know. Now that oh now that I'm retired, I've left the nursing business. I'm, you got I'm some free time. Yeah, I, I have some free time again. I'm gonna work on my golf and I and I ride a bicycle. So there you go. That's what I'm gonna do. Hey, that's 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 good. You know, you're still keeping in shape, and you know, yeah. I mean, it's really you have. Um, I don't know. I think I, I sent you um, a, a link to the the one thing off the Merv Griffin show, and you had over twenty two thousand um people watch that 22,000 people have seen that so mm. that, that just shows you how many people are, are out there okay. that are interested you know in what you're doing you know so let's cool. let's do a let's do a moment about Merv Merv put me on his shows in Hollywood Merv was ex an extraordinary entertainer Johnny Carson Gleason some of the new people are as well and he and I just hit it off Actress, model, Joanna Cameron. Joanna. Wow, are you chipper? Oh, I and you're showing us a little, show us a little leg today, huh? <laughs> What was, I saw a slit when you um, walked in the out. back. I think there's a slit in the back. It Maybe you have a dress on backwards. No. no. <laughs> it makes it no, easier for not. dancing, though. Does it? Yeah. Have you been in Hawaii? Um, not recently, but that is kind of my second home. I know that she lives there. Yeah. I love it there. It is so beautiful. How much time do you spend there? Um, when I go over, I try to spend like six to eight weeks. So I like to elongate my stays whenever I go, two or three times a year. Want to name the island? Oahu, but I love oh, Maui and the... Kauai and all of them. Oh, you're on the main island. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, see, that's, uh, most people don't say that. They say, oh, I'm 
Maui or... Uh... Maui's beautiful. It's a little quiet for me, yes. Jim, where are you? Well, I have a house in Coldwater, but I don't really get to spend that much time because I do travel an awful lot. And you like that, don't you, Jim? I love it. I used to live in New York for four years. Are you rootless? Almost. Anyone come out rootless? <laughs> right. Rootless. Uh, I think I'm basically a cosmopolitan gypsy. So he graciously had me on several times, okay? And we even went to, you know, again, I was in New York. He was in New York. We went to the Robert F. Kennedy tournament together. I saw Maria Shriver meet Arnold Schwarzenegger there. <laughs> what a story, right? Anyway, and I have pictures with him. Murph took me to one of the most finest dinners I've ever attended in my life, and that was the John Wayne Boy Scout tribute. I have a picture with Mr. Murph, President Ford, myself, and that dear, sweet, adorable man, John Wayne. Love John Wayne. Right. And you go back to Hope for a minute. Hope did the 25th anniversary on NBC Network, and he did a, um, a sketch on the bunkers. And they call me in. Hi. Of course I'll be there. I'll, I'll run down. And um, I was to portray an Indian princess. Okay, and I would be engaged to John Wayne, who would pay Archie Bunker, Bob Hope's son. You talk about stretching comedy. Well, they put me in this short little Indian dress. And of course, you know me. I was just standing there going, don't pinch me. I don't want to wake up. There he is. That's really that's really him. I grew up watching John Wayne movies and Bob Hope movies. So I'm sure I was just standing there going, I can't talk. Anyway, we filmed it that night, which was an, just an unbelievable experience. And at the very end, Archie Bunker is still worried about John Wayne, Wayne you know, marrying some Indian girl. And then Duke turns to Hope and says, but her dad owns Oklahoma, something like that. It's in the picture. <laughs> and then I didn't know it, but then John Wayne goes and picks me up and twirls me around. And I was just like, I don't ever want to wake up. <laughs> and I have stills from that, stills. So again, this is when the three networks were kings of the industry, way before uh, Turner Broadcasting and Fox and all the rest of them that are on the air now, way before that. CBS, ABC, and NBC ran entertainment. Yeah. So to be at the NBC studios, and I mean, I mean, I used to walk through and just see Carol Burnett every once in a while. Oh, there she really is. Oh, there she goes again. And Lucy, I saw Lucy several times. She was truly, you talk about a fantastic actress. Yeah, we, just, we just had talked to Brian Cutler and Joanna Pang recently. And, and Brian uh, mentioned oh. he was on a show with Lucy when he was younger, like a kid. He mm -hmm. played, he was mm -hmm. on there. I don't know if you knew that or not, but yeah, he was mentioned and oh. working with her. Yeah. So I'm sure there's many today that are working in the industry. They're equal giants. But, you know, I live in Hawaii. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have a different life. <laughs> I would love to visit and Hawaii. I, I've always wanted to go. Yeah. Well, now you have an invitation. I live at the north end of the big island of Hawaii. I live nine miles from the end of the road. Wait, Almost wait, jungle. There you go, Patrick. You're going to show up in Hawaii. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, Call me off at the Kona airport. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, okay, well, um, how, um, 
we talked about ISIS. Was there anything else that you, either one of you wanted to, to put in about ISIS? Or do you want to um, talk about how you ended up in the Amazing Spider-Man TV show next? Well, I had another question okay. about ISIS. I, w- I want to know what it was like to direct some of the episodes of ISIS. Uh, yeah, yeah, How was yeah. that? On the second year I went back, I was just like, listen, I want a different hair hairdo that's too long. I want it short. I want it curly. Um, I would like this. I would like this. And I got a completely different wardrobe for Andrea. Because what we had used is just what I brought from Hawaii or something. None of us ever thought this was going to go that direction. And so I said, you know, I want to be a member of the Directors Guild of America. They went, what? (laughs) I said, yes. This is where the powerhouse is. They had their own private screenings and meetings. They had a beautiful theater. I said, I, you know, this, this is what my goal is here. Of course, this was way before Cindy Williams and women didn't direct. There were a few of them. Ida Lupino. That's about all I can remember. And so we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So we did a CBS special that would air in the fall when you'll preview all the shows, people, all of this. And they let me do a little of that. And they also let me direct like a couple of stunts through the season. So, you know, yippee, yippee, you got your credits. Now you can go join the guild. And of course, I only had, you know, the but one of the best cinematographers in the world, Robert Sparks, and of course he was always, well, come here, come look at this, and now look at the, I mean, my gosh, now you get to look through the lens of the cinematographers at the action. You get to discuss it. You know, you can work with the actors. I need a little more here. I like that a little quieter. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. So yes, I joined the Directors Guild of America. I had to have three signatures, and I got three signatures from some biggies, like my dear friend Howard Koch, Paramount. And um, I would go to the meetings, and I'd go to the showings at night. I, I saw Rocky one there for the first time. I mean, that was the kind of experience you could have if you were a member of one of the guilds. There's the Directors Guild, the Producers Guild, the Screenwriters Guild, the Cinematographers Guild, and they're, they're the upper echelon in the industry. And then there's the heads of the agencies, and then there's the head of the ad agencies, and then there's the head of the networks. And those are all the people that run the town at that time. I'm sure it's different today. But to me, that was like the golden key. I still have my membership card. Ha <laughs> ha. And about five or six years after that, because I wanted to go primetime with ISIS, CBS denied me, and I didn't do the show. We, 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 we parted mutually. No, I'm done. You're done. The show's done. I want to go primetime. So they turned it into an animation show, I think. Yeah, I remember so that. So there I am, yeah. Yeah. looking for work again. And that is a difficult thing as an actor. You're just sitting there waiting for the phone to ring. Well, you can tell by my personality that was very hard. But I did get a call again from a network saying, we're going to do a pilot for Spider-Man. I went over and met Nicholas Hammond, who was just a sweetheart. And I said, absolutely, sign me on. And it was a fabulous experience. There we go again. Fantastic experience. He was an absolute sweetheart. The show was terrific. Um, Mr. Robert Alder Sr. was in it. I can't remember everybody was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they shot the two-hour pilot. It was just beautifully photographed. They turned around and turned it into a 
series. And instead of extending my contract for some serious money, they picked up somebody that wanted, you know, $2,000 a show or something. And they replaced me. So, but I love the show. I'm very proud of that pilot. I, I think that was very well produced. And the shot of me in a white bikini. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, see everyone. Thank you very much for giving us that. Yeah. <laughs> this was very soon right after ISIS. You know, I was in shape. Yeah. And Nick, yep. great. He's a, he's a Shakespearean trained actor, and he and I probably could have had a show for years, but oh well. Yeah, I, I love that. I have it on I have it on DVD, the Deadly Dust episode. Yeah, I, I like Nick, Nicholas Hammond a lot. I've I've liked a lot of his films and stuff he's done. Yeah, he was so good. He's for a little girl from Greeley. <laughs> so, so out of all the things that you've done, Joanna, what's the most fun thing that you've ever done? Like that you that was your favorite? Well, one of them has to be the Colombo. I spent weeks with people. You see, I was also at at Universal on it. On the, I call it Universal Studios University for me, and I was always around. I always in the cafeteria. I could go into any set. I wandered into Edith Head's office more than once, and just sat there and looked at her. That's really her, huh? My God, hi, Miss Head. I was just coming by. Go oh, sit down. You know, are you kidding me? That's awesome. Um, so awesome. I finally got a Colombo. I worked with Peter. He was fantastic. We used to go to lunch together and everything. Because remember, I was young. I was, you know, just, I was just a good sidekick. I wasn't anybody's wife or girlfriend or had four kids or had just come out of rehab or got with a fight on another movie or something. You know, I was just a great little sidekick. And I went home, I studied my lines and I showed up and they did a good job. And I never gave anybody any really trouble. I, you know, I need yeah. to know. You know, I saw that <laughs> you were in a movie that also, was it, Nicholas Hammond was in the movies, that sorority kill movie with Tony Geary was in it too. Was was Nicholas yeah. Hammond in that movie? Also, you I don't know. But what I, I think that was even black and white, wasn't it? Well, I saw a picture of of you and the two of them, and I didn't know if that was for that movie or if it was just like a, a like a, a a picture that you were all at the same place together. Because I didn't know if you had worked with Nicholas Hammond on anything else other than Spider Man, and then I saw that picture, and it he was in I, it. No, Sorority Kill was so long ago, and I think it was shot in black and white. Really? There's, yes, I think there's you know some of the beginning stuff. I actually have a still photograph from my first commercial it was for the Cougar car, and we're the two ladies that one me and and another lady. Uh, we were dressed in safari outfits with boots, and we had a real cougar. A, a real a real mountain lion, lion cougar. You mean that kind of cougar? Real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. With the car. And I was like, and it was like, I truly think it was my first commercial. I said, you probably would have tried to ride the cougar if they asked you to. But anyway, <laughs> I remember very, very, very cautious with us. And we had to stand perfectly still once the cat was brought in and the camera rolled. I think we were both frozen in position. We were so afraid. Wow. But anyway. <laughs> well, I wish I, we could see those things. I wish we could, there was no. clips of those that we could see them because yeah, it sounds no. awesome. Yeah. Anyway, it's very funny. And my first print job, by the way, was at 
because I was working at Disneyland. My mother insisted I got a job when I went to school. So she and I drove over to Disneyland. I walked in the back door of the, into the employment section and said, hi, hi, I'm, I'm a college student and I'd like a job for, Christmas, for, for, for summer. And I've been here before. I, I love the park. And could I please have a job? They hired me. Nice. And they put me in a tour outfit because I love to talk. <laughs> that's awesome. Really? Yeah, that's great. So then, oh, because, you know, they owned you. You were at Disney. And I even have the postcard that says, welcome back. Come to the employment office. <laughs> um, it's hysterical. I have so much stuff. But anyway, and this is going to go in the snapshot book. Um, they put me then with Carnation. And I had a two-year contract to stand in front of the Carnation store or go in and just look in the, all the ice cream and eat ice cream and have a Sunday or something. I have pictures of all that. And, of course, those were the days when they used to have Look and Life magazines and stuff. And it would be in that. My mother would call me. And um, I actually have pictures of my first photo shoot, and it was for Carnation ice cream. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And from that, again, you know, things can just build. People will see stuff. They go, well, she could be right for this. Why don't you call her in here and see what she's like? So it was a different business than it is today. Yeah. Um, it was much more on one. Yeah. Uh, that time period is like my favorite in, in the world, like the late 70s. And yeah, I, I just, I miss that so much. It's just, yeah, it does seem like a different world. Yeah. Um, well, well, you want to talk about... Um, do you want to talk about like the Blue Angel stuff and how you uh, produced the, the documentary? Yeah. What was it like flying with the Blue Angels? Okay. Let, I'll try to do this kind of capsulized. Okay. This was after the uh, commercial success. And I'd been on Johnny Carson and I'd done this and that. And Ed McMahon was part of the Naval Reserve. Jackie Cooper was part of the Naval Reserve. And somehow, somehow it came up that the Navy network had, this is before satellites and everything, that the Navy had something called the Navy network. And that this Naval Reserve group would make spots and they'd go out aboard ship, okay? So somehow this all got turned into me doing um, promos, statements, funny spots for the United States Navy network and they would be copied and be sent out to the ships. And I'm sure this was at NBC studio again, in Burbank that I can see this. Um, and Jackie Cooper and me and a crew. And of course the people from public, from the, the, uh, you know, the offices of the Navy and stuff all got together and, and we did these commercials in one night. And I literally had to introduce all the captains from all the carriers. Okay. And this is a word from captain today. This is a word from captain today. Because that's how they ran the information systems on the carriers at that time. They didn't you know, bring it in Fox Network Sports for Saturday. They had their own network. They had to. And so all this kind of just kept going, growing and growing. And I did have a rather large fan base because of the age of the people aboard carriers after the ISIS show. So that was kind of a built-in theme. 
you know, oh, you know her. And one of them was so funny. Um, I had a swimming suit on and they wrapped me in a towel. And so the straps didn't show and they sounded water. This is Jackie Cooper. Jackie Cooper was an amazing story, too. But we weren't going there today. Uh, he was a director, too. The director, key the word director, um, and he was splashing me with water. And the essence of that was remember to take a Navy shower, which means when you go in, get wet, you soap up, and then you use the water again because you only had so much water aboard a carrier. What a crack up. And then another one they did, here I was sitting at a desk looking at a letter. And they zoom in. And say she said something like, and a letter from you is everything to me, which was a general reminder to write your wife when you're at sea. Mm-hmm. So all this worked. The, the Naval Operations loved it. I happened to have an acquaintance at the Naval Academy. His name was Captain Dale Patterson. Again, he had younger children. They'd seen the show. An invitation to go to the Navy game at the Academy. From there, we got talking a commercial for the Naval Academy, right? To attract the caliber of, of people to bring even more of the brightest and the strongest to the Naval Academy. It's during the Carter administration, so maybe they're having a little problem. I didn't know. So the idea was cooked up. Here you go. Well, we'll go have her go fly with the Blue Angels. What? You're going to do what? 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 Okay, we'll send out a camera crew, too. Oh, my gosh. So we went out there. And, of course, and the gentleman who was commanding officer at that time is still one of my dearest friends. He retired as an admiral. Um, and it just developed from there. I met people in Washington. Senator Ted Stevens arranged for money from Richard DeVos at Amway. And all of a sudden, this this commercial was building. Okay, one of one of my fondest ways to tell a story is flashbacks. That's what I'm gonna do with this little scrapbook. Well, this is how it began. So you start in the, in the present times, and you do a flashback. So I was allowed to go to, on board on aircraft carriers, film captains of ships who had been um, Blue Angels. That would later be. Admiral Wisely, um, and he opened the picture, and we started to talk about um, the, the skills, the disciplines of the military, and we selected the Navy's Blue Angels as our example, and these skills and discipline are why America is so strong. We have a very strong military. You know, this isn't this isn't a stunt team. This isn't a circus team. Every every uh, maneuver they do are the maneuvers that are used aboard aircraft carriers, and it just blossomed. My gosh, are you kidding? Look, a young lady has now been allowed to go aboard carriers and visit and do a shoot. And uh, I flew twice with them. The first time I went up again was more of a publicity stunt. Okay, one of those news things. And I came down. I was totally green. I'm sure they had done it on purpose. I got to sit in the back of, of number seven and Bruce Davey was my pilot. And uh, I came back and I'm sure it was just green, but thrilled. You know, <laughs> Okay, I didn't throw up on my flight suit. So then again, it just 
blossomed. It blossomed and blossomed. I got an enormous amount from the help from the Navy, the McDonnell Douglas Company, Sony, Sony team. Yes, I had a producer who assisted me, um, old boyfriend, old business manager, seems to take credit for all of it, but whatever. And it turned out to be a highly successful recruiting tool. And the Naval Academy had it for years. Then I was approached to put it out publicly. It went out publicly. No, I didn't make a lot of money on this picture. That's not the purpose of it. I never charged anybody a dime for anything I did relevant to my Navy account. That's, you know, my, my, my volunteership. You know, I would have liked to have been part of the, um, you know, the group. But um, first of all, women were not in the Academy at that time. I would never have been smart enough. <laughs> okay. I didn't have that. But I was always honored to be in um in their aura. And I've been to change of commands. I've been, I went to Pensacola several times. Um, and it's just a very rarefied air in which they live. I've told Lisa that if you're on the flight line of a performance, a show on the Saturday, and all of a sudden crowds become very quiet because the team is now going to take the flight line and march to their jets. I used to get chills down my back. Mm-hmm. Just it just and it, it, everybody who's ever seen a show knows that, and it's right. not a show; it's creation of their skills, as the Thunderbirds are. So that's how all that came about. I think I think uh, you know somebody else was directing my 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 work there. I had a chance to use my skills and everything, and I learned to benefit someone. You know, this has been a lifetime of friendships and memories. I've been, I, you know, I've been to one or two reunions. <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> and of course, I'm the only one that's not married and doesn't have five children. But anyway, <laughs> and again, anybody who's in the military gives up a portion of their life. Right. They go do their job and they come home. It's just like our cops and the rest of them. So we won't go there. But again, you know, I was very honored. I have, I have a navy blue, you know, I have a blue angel jacket. And I think I have a poster from every year signed by them. I have my own little navy, you know, blue angel jet collection. <laughs> cool. where, where were they filmed at? Where was that filmed when you did the documentary? Um, well, let me see. Pensacola, Virginia Beach, San Diego, um, Point Magoo. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realize how I didn't realize how many different places and how how much time you spent spent doing that. I was thinking it was just a. No, no. I think it all, it took at least over two years. And yes, I had I had a producer, and he'd fly out or do things. He was very effective in the editing, because remember, once you do this, you have to go edit it. Yeah, um, and that. Other guild, by the way, the editor's guild, it was magic. It's not like it is now where all these computers do everything. You you know, you had to go into an editing bay and put the film together. And uh, it was a joy. And because it wasn't a commercial product at that time, I could use any music I wanted. And, and, you, and you helped out with all of that, too. Because absolutely. you Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely kept trying. Proved to Hollywood that I wanted to be a director. So I kept trying to do these outside projects. I did one again later in California, but eh, they never called. So, oh well. Yeah. 
So was was doing, like was, right bestseller. Was that like kind <laughs> of the the end there, like where you kind of then kind of got away from, you know, Hollywood and and you sit well and, after a while if your phone doesn't ring for the product you want to do you kind of just go oh well I guess I'll move on so I I literally I resigned from the guilds um, and I moved to Monterey and I spent about ten years up there doing absolutely nothing charities again. And then um, I changed my life in 1989, and I went back to school. I went to Monterey Peninsula College, and uh, was training for the Marine Maureen Church Coburn Nursing School. My father passed away, and I just you know I got my degree and left. And then I went from Monterey to San Luis Obispo with my dear sweet boyfriend, who was a completely different person than the person I had been with uh, previously. So no, I met I met. Um, my sweet sweetheart in uh, Carmel, California. He was a contractor and he also had his own bike shop, which was a boutique bicycle business at that time. Tremendous individual. And uh, then we moved to Hawaii and we lived together here many years. Now he's a um, FAA helicopter pilot and he's building himself a new house. And, uh, you know, he's younger than I am. Let me put it that way. And he has a new adventure in front of him. So we're no longer together, but, um, you know, he and I had a very successful relationship and we're, we're friends now. And, you know, now that we got on that, um, let me clarify from anyone who's interested. I've never been married. There's a lie out there that I was married in 1975. I've never been married. If I was married in 1975, I'd like to see the marriage license. And if this person says he's single now, well, when was the divorce and why didn't I get alimony? <laughs> there you go. You know? <laughs> back, back pay there. <laughs> you yeah. know, it just, it just, it makes me angry. And Lisa knows this, so I'm, I'm not going to go into it here. But how can you possibly tell the world you married me? Um, for, for the prize for the, for the Joanna Cameron giveaway is a copy of Billy Ray Bates's book, The Super Chicks book uh, with Isis and uh, Wonder Woman. And if you uh, send us the code word Joanna, uh, we will um, put you in for the uh, prize. Joanna, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yes, thank you so much. Well, we love- as we say in Hawaiian, <laughs> which means thank you from my heart it is a delight to communicate with all of you i really i really am not just living alone it's just it's wonderful to hear from you and um let's get together again soon okay i'll be talking to you soon i'm sure (laughs) yeah okay yeah we appreciate it so much joanna thank you for doing this god bless god bless my country i love all of you okay hugs and kisses And we want to thank all of our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. And we'll do it again next Wednesday. So we invite you to interact with us on our Facebook page. And feel free to give us some ideas as to what topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. And as we sign off, I want to leave you with this final thought. You know, Marge, that girl won't help him sell more gas. Charlie, people buy your gasoline because they like it, not because of some pretty face. George, she's a union all sparkle girl. They check our stations for cleanliness, everything. They're not here to sell gas. Oh. Hi. Is everything all right? Well, <laughs> uh, fill it up, Charlie. He did fill it up, dear. Oh, fill it up again. <laughs> the spirit of 76 lives at Union Oil.